The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. I said we just destroy the entire entire studio. It's time to start over. Just have a rant, like Re- a, a giant. No, physically throw everything around. And yeah, crash it and burn it, and, mm-hmm. and then demand rename some the kind podcast. Of change. Yeah, rename the podcast. Uh, just start over. Just make sure I have this set up all right. You know, you said last time we should start over and start talking about our old podcasts, and uh, if we ever do that someday. Let's just focus in on a whole series of Sasquatch type of podcasts. I think that would I feel be. that might be milking it. I mean, you know, milking there's a good it? thing. Milking it? Yeah. There's are, a good are you thing. being anti-cow? Yeah, there's you a good thing. I am. be anti-cow to a bull. You need to get over it. <laughs> I, I, I think that there's a such thing as a good episode, and then there's such thing as taking that good episode and making that your episode, your entire podcast identity. It's called episodic. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Hello. Welcome to the Wolf and Bull podcast. Uh, this is episode 19. I am the wolf and the bull is across I from me. I am here also. Yes, he's here episode as well. Episode 19. 19. Oh we my have gosh, one we're more almost episode. to a full score. Well, one more episode until we reveal our names, even though on Instagram our names are revealed. But we have to they officially, uh, probably. Did I give approval for that? No. In writing? You, you got to talk to Beowulf. She t- she's taking to initiative. about this. She said today that she is the executive producer of the show, and I have... Well, then you better give her credit. Well... I... <laughs> that's a conversation we're gonna have to Whoa. have i feel I, I feel like i feel like they have to cut that out uh, of the frame t- no i'm leaving it in there's a title that needs to be established um for all of us but uh with well, that I, I don't need a title i'm just the bull well you're 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 the you're the ceo anyway mm-hmm. um with that being said welcome to the 19th episode again uh you know <laughs> there's really not much i can say this week in relation to the 19th episode, we have kind of a very intricate topic to discuss. But one thing I can say, and there, let's just jump right into the news. Yes. Um, the by news. the way, by the way, <laughs> since we're jumping into the news, uh, before we do that, if you like the episode, if you like the podcast, go ahead and give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Reviews are very helpful. Uh, the Bull and I uh, do this absolutely free. Absolutely. So we would love it if you could join our family. Uh, all you got to do to do that is just you know give the podcast a follow or leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. That now, would be awesome. Now we're into the news. So last week was basically a whole episode for the news, and this week it we're going to keep a total it, news rant. We're going to keep it very short this week. Are we? Yes. Um, Afghanistan. Here, yeah, we'll hit hit Afghanistan. We have surrendered, and there's a thousand. There's thousands of Americans over there, and a bunch of Afghani uh, affiliates of ours that have helped us through the years. They're basically stranded. Yes. Done. Yeah. First topic finished. Uh, well, you know, Biden said he's still going to get out of there on the thirty by the thirty first. Well, but we I think had, we're already out. We negotiate with terrorists now. 
So Well, we've been doing that for years. We just don't even tell anybody, right? Mm. Of course, now there's more domestic terrorism than there is foreign terrorism, according to all those redefining terrorism, which is part of today's topic later, which is redefining words and word origins and things yeah. like that. Yeah. One thing I can say on a positive note, I think it was today, the Supreme SCOTUS, the Supreme Court uh, came out and said the remain in Mexico policy needs to stay in place, which it is needs good. needs to go back in place. Or back in place, yeah. um, which is good. That's a good thing. That's a win for our border control. Um, not because we don't want immigrants. SCOTUS. What does SCOTUS stand for? You can go ahead and do that one. I don't want to. No, I a, just got back from question. the gym. Supreme Court of the United States. There you go. Um, I just got back from the gym, so my brain is frazzled. I'm so hyped on uh, freaking pre-workout that I, 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 my lungs and heart will probably explode within the next two seconds. Um, which, by the way, I haven't set our podcast sponsor in a long time. Um, it's it's over there. It's too far away. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you about my <laughs> side of the sponsorship later you in the go show, ahead. okay? No, later in the show, after um, it's gone. Yeah, that's 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 the best, actually. Um, so there's two topics of news. Third topic of news, which I've had a lot of conversations about this with a lot of people that I know. Um, as you may, or our listeners may have known, we caught the plague, mm-hmm. and we're dead. So uh, strange that we're talking to you from the afterlife. That's right. Um this whole vaccine mandate thing, I feel like is getting a tad out of control now that Pfizer has been FDA approved. Although, it, correct me if I'm wrong, the studies of effects on children are, They've approved it for 16 and older. Yeah, but the studies but for 5 still, to 12 is like 22. They still 20, have it available for 5 to 12, which yeah, is really weird. But the studies for that aren't going to come out till 2022, 2023, well, right? Probably. But they push everything forward and kind of are on the edge of a razor blade with this stuff anyway. And and uh, part of the problem is, uh, I think it's called um, myocarditis, that a lot of young people are getting after this. this their, oh, there you go. Unnamed. Energy drink. Dun, dun, dun. <clears throat> but to, this, what, what's happening a lot with, with the real youngsters, 5 to 17-year-old, as a matter of fact, is the risk of hop- hospitalization from getting COVID in the first place is about 0.3 out of every million, million between the age of five and 17. Well, there's 0.3. If I remember. So that's three people at that age group out of 10 million. But hold on, let me finish my thought on that because, but to get the vaccine at that age group, there have been, the study basically shows that 50 out of um, uh, per million have actually gotten this myocarditis which is kind of a mm. uh i don't know it's the like a heart issue yeah it's a heart issue huh. brought about by the vaccine so you got to ask yourself which is better get the vaccine and have a possibility of three and ten million going to the hospital going to the hospital not dying going to the hospital or getting the vaccine and having a chance of going to the hospital with myocarditis at 50 that'd be 500 out of 10 million Hmm. Now, neither are significant numbers when you look at statistics at all. No. But why? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I I remember hearing earlier this week that out of the last 18 or so months, only 361, 363 kids between the ages of 5 and 17 actually have passed away out of a demographic grouping of 73 million. Right. And and the other part of that is from, from what it looks like, and nobody's giving the full definition around these kids, but... There's comorbidities. There's yeah. a severe obesity thing with some of them, et cetera, et cetera. No, nobody wants to die. Nobody no. wants to have their kids die. I don't want any kids to die. I don't want anybody to die from this or anything else. We've had it. We know it's not pleasant. And I'm a, a 
couple years older than you, so it was less pleasant for me than it was for you. Though I never lost smell or taste. Yeah, well, there was a there was well, there's a sliding gradient scale on the effect of all this. I mean, I'm I'm basically out of it. I still have a few smells that are a little off, but so for all of our listeners, I I don't know if I said this last time, but I uh, I had uh, shit. uh, I believe it's parosmia. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And again, guys, we are the most accurate factual podcast of all time. We have never made a mistake. Opinion, opinion Um, only. But I'm pretty sure I had parosmia, which basically means that anything, I lose my smell, I lose my taste, and then that anything associated with that as my smell and taste comes back smells, for some people, it smells like gasoline or tobacco. Uh, For me, it smelled smelled like rotting meat, um, which was not pleasant, but Mm. it's gone. So, And now we have, quote unquote, natural immunity, right? Supposedly, but, uh, but of course, you know, uh, Dr. Francis Collins, which is the head of the uh, the director of NIH right now, is saying that that's not enough. That you should get well, vaccinated here, anyway. Here's the concern and I, that I, I, have. I hear both sides of that. McCary and other people yeah. say otherwise. Go ahead. Well, the, here's the concern <coughs> I have because there's, and I would, I'd love, I probably should have brought this article up. We, for the news guys, we really wanted to keep this relatively. Uh, we'll be short um but with that being said i read an article earlier today where it talked about a myriad of studies um, from various colleges and medical institutions that have talked about how immunity in some cases can last up to 17 years supposedly that's what their projections are now granted i would love next podcast remind me of this next podcast i'll bring this up and i'll read it um but the problem i have with all this is the the mandating of this issue correct so correct uh, I guess our only new topic that when it comes to the news that we've really discussed is, uh, you know, Delta Airlines and a lot of other companies have started to come out and require that employees be vaccinated or face and, some sort of And of course, the president is more than encouraging it. He's basically saying you should as a private company. He's, I, don't remember, I, didn't, I don't know the exact quote, but that's basically what he's saying. And that's, of course, a way to get around the public mandate. Yeah. To make it a private mandate. Well, my, my frustration with this, and I've had... Uh, a lot of conversations with a lot of people, especially after admitting to people that um, are a little bit more cautious than I am in my life, uh, that I had caught it and am now alive. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait, guys, Hold we're dead. Actually, no, died, we're dead. Yeah. I died. Um, but now I'm, I'm back from the dead. Um, so you're not a dog. It's a miracle. cat, apparently, with nine lives. Well, dogs actually have ten lives. Oh, they do. That's why they're okay. man's best friend. Um, so... This is a really difficult topic for me because I've always understood since a young age, because I've had family in the medical industry, vaccines don't stop a virus. They give you a small viral load within, you know, whatever the vaccine is into your immune system or within your body, allows your body to fight it off in order to establish it. And I could be wrong on this, but in order to establish lesser symptoms when you do carry the virus well, or ca- contract the, the virus, right? Well, here, here's the issue. Okay? Well, that's correct, if, right? If you're either going to get a disease mm-hmm. or you're going to try to prevent that disease. So vaccines in general are put into place. I know. What are you, <laughs> you going to do? Post, maybe you can get rid of a cough. <laughs> I'm fine, by the way. Um, but in, in vaccines, the idea is to stimulate your immune system in some shape or form, some way, and in the new way, MNRA way, mm-hmm. you're having your own body use its mechanics, its cellular mechanics to develop a spike protein to, to fool your body into thinking you actually have a virus. Yeah. Right? That's the idea. In the past, you would use either a lessened or a dead version of a virus to stimulate, again, mm-hmm. your own immune system to, to populate its armies against that 
and protect not only for the case that might be happening right then, but for something that comes in the future. That is normal. That's it, it's hugely intelligent way to go about things. We've been doing it for I was going to say 100 years, but I don't know if it's been that long. But no, we've been doing it for a long time. It's 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 actually I would I would think it's been a little bit longer. I was looking at 100 years. I don't. I would yeah, say it's maybe. over like late 1800s. If I if I remember this correctly, for that vaccinations, was, that's a good thing to look up. I I'll don't really right know because I'm pretty but, sure I'll just look up. What but the the, first the whole point is is that nothing lasts forever. These the and and the, a lot of the worries that people have with these these current vaccines is that they're too specific to the type of COVID that you that is in the air right now. It's so, possible getting. So just to answer that sure. question, it's much longer than a hundred years. It it goes back all the way to. 17th century China. So Edward Jenner was considered the founder of vaccinology in the West in 1796. Edward Jenner does not sign, sound. Yeah, but but the, this, the practice, name. the practice of like you know doing some sort of virology study in in protection. Well, they're not including attaching leeches to you, are they? No, 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 no. It's it's the smearing of skin tear with cowpox to confer immunity to smallpox. So that's that started gotcha. in 17 gotcha. uh, the 17th century in China, and then Edward Jenner considered the founder of vaccinology in the West in 176. He first uh, 1796. He first inoculated a 13 year old boy with the I cowpox. I remember hearing about that actually. Um, I, I think I think that's really really good information to know. And then in 1798, the first smallpox vaccine was developed. So this stems back a long time. I think the difference now is there's a heavy push, at least from and, and this really violates my views as a libertarian because I think people should just the government should just fuck right off unless it has anything to do with foreign policy or you know. I, I, I guess about that's about it, you know, but because see, this is this is the argument because one side of the one side of the, the, the fence says, leave me the hell alone. Yeah. The other side says, no, this is for the public good, which is what the government supposedly is for. Right. To protect but, but I don't, the public. Yeah. But I don't I don't. Well, back to Delta. I don't think this has anything to do with public good. And the reason I say that is not in the sense that I don't think that there is some people within the various industries such as healthcare, pharmaceuticals or, or, or the government even that don't have good intentions. This goes past safety, though, because mm-hmm. if we're going to discuss safety, you know, Delta wouldn't be punishing people for violating the Nuremberg trials that yeah, came exactly. around in World War II, which basically says the first rule of the Nuremberg trials is informed consent. All that means is you have to know what it is, and then you can choose whether you want it or not. It's medical freedom. Mm-hmm. And so, granted, it's a slightly different situation because people aren't tying you down and experimenting on you, but at the same time, they're giving you some sort of byproduct of punishment, be it you know in New York or San Francisco or New Orleans or Los yeah, Angeles, right. the vaccine uh, you know, uh, passport, passport right. not letting you go into restaurants, or well, when it comes to Delta, charging you uh, uh, to, to pay a health insurance surcharge if you don't get a vaccination. Well, what the real problem is here is there's becoming a, a very definitive bifurcation between vaccinated and unvaccinated. And that doesn't mean like, like you, you know, not everybody that's not vaccinated is quote unquote anti-vax. They're just a different kind of caution going on. One side of the fence well, is hesitancy. Be- well, it's hesitancy. So everybody right now is blaming the GOP and the right wing media and the misinformation about God. And everybody forgets that the same people that are promoting that are the ones that said, we won't take this as long as Donald Trump is in office. Yeah. Like he had anything at all to do with the making the shot. Right. I mean, so, Operation Warp Speed did. Well, help. no, he, I think, was in the lab himself. Well, he was. Yeah. Or, or at least texting or twittering to the lab well, people he saying, was do this do that right he was is that, what, is that what's going on so the vice president of the president of the united states said we'll never take this stuff as long as he's in office really well he was in the lab in, in wuhan in, he was in the lab in wuhan right and he and, released and, it 
Well, I, this one guy, he's a he's a, a, a Nobel Prize winner. Yeah. Lou Montiego or something like that. I mean, he was he was saying at the very beginning that this thing came out of a lab. Sure. Right. Yeah. And and he was laughed off everywhere. And he was he was he was basically said he, I'm a he's a conspiracy theory nut. He's this and that. He's using his 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 big award that he got to leverage his ability to broadcast this nonsense. And everything. Oh, no. That's not what he did. Mm-hmm. And and now he's coming out with new different things and, and people will read into it whatever they want. But he comes out with statements that say that, that basically say, hey, you know, if you if you take these things, you're going to end up with a um, an immune system that's too pointed at a certain type of covid and when covid changes, because as you said before in the last podcast and other ones before this, this is aerosolized. It's a respiratory, upper respiratory, actually lower respiratory as well, system disease. It's going to be with us like the common cold for a long well, time. And the biggest part about this, the thing that irritates me about this whole passport mandate issue mm-hmm. is that it's not about that. No. It, people people have had these vaccines are getting COVID anyway. They're not getting as sick, which is awesome. But what really needs to happen is everybody needs to take a freaking, not mandated, but everybody just needs to take a, a, a test to see who has the antibodies. Because then nobody would be worried about that, right? If, if Because... Okay, right now, if you if you were going to work for somebody that rec- Delta Delta Airlines, if you go to work for Delta Airlines and they said, "Hey, you must be vaccinated," or or Walmart, Walmart says October third, everybody must be vaccinated. If you go to work for Walmart and you're either vaccinated or you have to test every day or every week or whatever it is, why would you want to do that? Just take the antibody test. If you have the antibodies test, aren't you as or even better protected than the vaccinated that are getting the passports? Well, what's interesting, and this ties into our topic today, is the definition of certain things over the last year and a half have really shifted in such a way where things like vaccination, the term vaccine, and maybe I'm one of the few, maybe this is just a unique situation in which there are a few people who over the last 10 years have truly understood what a vaccine is, and then everyone else just didn't know. And that's why this is occurring. But really, the 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 vocabulary definition for a lot of stuff is shifting. So we can point to that when it comes to vaccines. We can point to that maybe with uh, gender dysphoria, which is no longer by JAMA considered a disease anymore. I mean, it like was in it was, but yeah. they removed it. So so a real problem with all this or critical race theory or racism, a lot of mm-hmm. these or infrastructure. If you're a Democrat, a yeah. lot of these issues are now shifting in such a way where people are just taking terms and words that once med- meant something and shifting it to mean other things to get to a political goal. Right. Right. And that's and a problem. It, well, what ends up happening is things morph over time anyway. I mean, you can, you can look at language itself, which we will get into in a couple of minutes and look how that's changed over time to mean different things at different times. And a lot of that is driven by whoever's in power. Yeah. Right. If, if a, the Roman Catholic church is in power for centuries, then its definition of X, Y, and Z becomes its definition and everybody else's. Yeah. But I think the problem though, and the differential there is that the Roman Catholic church was a separate entity specifically in, in ancient and in, in you know, history before was actually looked at maybe in some way as a like a type of royal entity that had too much power. And we can talk about that in a different podcast. This is kind of similar in the sense that we are now trusting entities that have consistently been incorrect about a lot of shit um, that are now saying, well, wait a second, vaccines don't inoculate you. They actually totally destroy the entire Hasn't that virus. always been the way people in power have tried to get the masses 
to, you'd to like deal with things. To, They've always tried to say, hey, yes. we're right. Yeah. Listen to us. You must trust us. But you'd like and the to kings, think, though. Hold on. The, the kings and queens of the time mm-hmm. back in Europe and things like that centuries ago would say, you have to trust us because we are the voice of yeah, God. Yeah, but you'd like to think, though, that over the last 150 to 250 years, because of a democratic republic like the United States, that we have generalized consensus to mean what most people agree it to mean. And now things are shifting because of social media. Interesting topic that I was listening to today. Um, so I think it, uh, uh, what's it called? Give me a second. Um, cause I brought this up. I want to talk about this, uh, sure, sure. in the next podcast. Okay. Uh, so Thucydides trap, uh, I brought this up to you a little bit ago. Basically, what that is is the belief that it was popularized by Grand T. Ellison. Um, it basically comes from an ancient Athenian historian and military general, Thucydides, who posited that the Peloponnesian War between Athens and Sparta had been inevitable because of Spartan fears of of the growth of Athenian power. So Thucydides, Thucydides' trap basically talks about how now, because the United States has been a world power at the top of the chain for so long that China is now coming up, and a lot of what is occurring is tying into this very strange belief of something called the fourth turning in which every few, I want to say it's like every 40 or 50 years, there's a serious event that shifts how the world operates. In some instances, it's a cataclysmic event. In some instances, a a long time of peace. But Mm. this interesting thing about Thucydides' trap, when we talk about war or when we talk about the changing of things, like, for example, etymology or social culture, Mm -hmm. before it was like a, a hot war that would shift things. Now we have tools like social media that operate as the medium to shift things because it's not beneficial for big co- countries to go to war anymore, at least in a hot, uh, at least well, in a what, hot war. What's happened is there's always been an extreme propaganda arm for any war, whether it's cold or hot, mm-hmm. right? There's always been propaganda. You know, the USSR is better than the United States. The United States is better than the USSR. And each, each population believes its own thing, just like p- populations in the Middle East believe we're the devil. And all those things are done through information and propaganda what's happened now though is propaganda has overwhelmed all the other pieces of that wartime puzzle because of social media and information overload yeah well i mean honestly we've been sitting here for just a few minutes and we've looked up on i haven't grabbed my phone but you grabbed your phone a couple of times and looked up some very interesting subjects and came to a conclusion based on this this and this and you probably could have looked at a bunch of different sources and narrowed down like a wikipedia style kind of information load what is real and what is not. That is tremendous. The information uh, revolution, if you will, is, in my opinion, as or even more powerful than the industrial revolution. Different, different ways, different things, but it's, it, it changed everything. Everything in our world. Well, I would say I would say it was more damaging and has been more damaging and will continue to be more damaging. More damaging, now- positive, more positive than negative? You think more negative than positive. And the reason I say that is because now as every as a lot of people who are paying attention and, and look, I don't want to throw any groups under the bus, but there are certain groups that are less informed than others. And that has been shown through a myriad and multitude of different instances, especially over the last month. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are regretting some of the decisions they made over the last year. Mm-hmm. So I hey, totally fine. You know, neither here nor there. With that being said, though, what's happening is our own government, our own culture and a lot of other governments are telling their own populaces not to believe what they see with their own eyes. So because of information overload, because of that shifting 
change, which may, for for all we know, could be just a random social event or could be something as complicated as an inference of Thucydides' trap that leads to the fourth turning. All that jazz we can talk about, you know, at another podcast. But at the end of the day, you know, when we discuss etymology, there's an importance to the meaning of certain words. And when you have a culture that is no longer focused on establishing a pillar in certain words or ideas or cultural norms and eventually pivots in such a way where it hates itself, as is very clear with American culture right now, it's a major issue. Well, it, I think it comes down to human hubris, right? It, yeah. com- it, it comes down to, you know, the need to interpret to fit personal and societal context of whatever's happening today. We must change the narrative and to change the narrative we must change the symbols for our meanings and you know what the symbols for meanings are words but yep. it is important i think and actually fun in a lot of ways to get into entomology to get into word meanings to to understand where language comes from and what it is derived by we're certainly no experts in that but it's it's kind of an interesting and fun subject because you can see over time how things change how things morph into into the way we look at things today not just the changing of an E to an I or an extra E on the end of a syllable in, in Europe compared to the United States or anything like that, but to see the source of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's what entomology is basically word origins <laughs> as far as definitions are concerned. And what I hear laughter in the background, Wolfie. <laughs> e- etymology. You're saying entomology. Did I say entomology? It, it, it makes me think oh, of... Well, I'm going to think of... Uh, that's, that's study Lord of, of the Rings. Well, no, entomology th- is study of insects. Yeah, but it makes insects. me think of Lord of the Rings because of the big giant trees. I said entomology ends. three times already. Etymology. It's etymology. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, etymology. though. But because study now, of bugs. now we could study <laughs> the origin of bug words. We could. The probably clicks and clacks and squeaks. And might fall asleep, but... <laughs> well, we might do that anyway. I don't know. Because... It's uh, it's been an interesting, tiring couple of years. I, I guess I can't even believe we're a year and a half into this mess. But. I can't. Well, I mean, I guess the real the real point I want people to think about, especially in relation to etymology or the changing of cultural norms and and social structures, we can talk about how there are no effects to this till we're blue in the face. That is clearly incorrect. We've seen the effects of some of these things and. I know for a lot of our listeners or for some people who listen to this in the future, and this could be, I mean, at some point in time, me making this basic assumption could be illegal. But when we take terms that are specifically related in biology that mean one thing and shift them into something else, that creates a lot of confusion. And unfortunately, that leads to bad policy, which in turn leads to poor social issues that could be solved by not changing those things in the first place. Well, what's really interesting about the word origins or etymology in the first place is that it's actually the word itself etymology is from similar french and greek words for get this speaking or conveying the truth Hmm. isn't that funny we talk because we talk about how things morph over time yet the origin of the word that's about the origin of words is about speaking the truth yeah and that's often you know not what we see today at all Well, and I think the real problem with that is we've gone from making some relative assumptions politically, like, you know, oh, I'm a Democrat, I'm a libertarian, I'm a a Republican, I believe in conservatism, I believe in progressivism, I believe in a mix of the the two. We've gone from that to an identity politics structure in which people identify as... Is it a label problem? 
do you think? No, I think, I think it's an understanding of purpose problem because mm. you've got a grouping of individuals who, for the first time in history, like we talked about a second ago, have access to an overload of information. And because of that, and I think right now there's a on a, on a side note that kind of ties into this. There's a popularity. Uh, there's a there's a popular like social, you know, thing going on within TikTok, for example. I think that the the the, the type of um, social event is like it's. I think it's just called like laying down, where mm-hmm. people just lay down and do nothing and then talk about how that's better than working. It's weird. I, I'll wow. Talk, yeah, I, it's very I've never strange. even heard. It. Do you know what the first social media thing that I can remember that was like a a chain thing planking you got it man yeah, that's yeah. what i remember too yeah i i remember everybody oh everybody's got a plank where can we plank yeah and, and that plank well we've gone from that weird thing to now trying to push a way of life that you know if people just didn't do anything would lead to the destruction of everything i mean you could say oh well we can push on the people who actually do something well that's a different form of slavery well is is are you talking are we back to apathy no no in no, a, no, no in a way no. or just laziness well it's Straight it's laziness. laziness it's not app well it's kind of a mix of both. And the reason I say this is so TikTok, everyone knows, well, most people know this is a Chinese app, right? So, it, and I think this ties into our, our Thucydides trap because it's very, very possible that China is pushing certain things into the American sphere for younger people to get them confused about what the purpose of their existence is. Um, social media does that naturally. You've got a, a, you've got a, a, uh, a, a focus on something that's not real that in, interferes with okay. what you believe to be real. You've got to ask world. yourself why, though. Think about the number of streaming services you have, the number of social media things you have out there, the number of time spent. Your phone will tell you mm-hmm. how many hours you've spent on it doing nonsensical things, right? Looking up what we looked up earlier, what you looked at, that's great. But that is not the norm, as you are not the norm, Wolf, as you know. So th- th- there's an nice article. There's say. an article that I, I, I'm going to have to send you. It, I think it's called. Uh, I don't remember the whole title of it, but it was like "Why We Do Bullshit Jobs." I think it was the name of it. Something mm, yeah, really yeah. very interesting kind of rant on paper or on uh, paper. Listen to me, paper. What is paper? I don't know. It's a screen that, that, that you hold in your hands. I don't know. But any, anyways, um, the, the, this this was basically contending. It talked about. Maynard Keys, I think, or or one of the other economists back in the 30s talking about how the way technology was running. This was in the 30s, 1930s, he's talking about. And he said, by the time we get to the 50s and 60s, we'll be having 18-hour work weeks instead of 40. And I've read articles about this in the past through my early childhood in the 80s about how we were going to be able to not work as much and everything. And, and he contends in this article that we're really not. And the real problem with our our society is the way capitalism is framed, nonsensical bullshit jobs, where people go in and do nothing for three quarters of their day, Mm -hmm. and we expect them to have purpose? How do you have purpose and have a, okay, we have a mission statement as a company, we're going to do this for the better good. And then, then you spend all day massaging a spreadsheet well the problem now though and ouch because that's my job thanks um <laughs> it, it, the problem it's not it's not god oh, please god don't get me in trouble for that <laughs> yeah. yeah cutting that in post just kidding. yeah exactly. um, no, it's a joke um so he, here's the problem that i see with that because he, he's right i mean he, there are certain jobs that don't provide purpose and the problem that i've always seen with jobs is people look at that as that their purpose and there is some truth to that but that wasn't an essentially in my opinion, that didn't really jump to such a high degree in American culture until 
like the late 50s, I was early say, 60s. Somewhere in there. Well, the reason I Be- say that and the reason that probably is the case is because that was right after people just thought the world was going to end. I yeah, mean, they had bunkers they were buying and well, everything. Well, they came back. They had bunkers they were buying. Everyone, there was a boom in the economy. People mm-hmm. had a ton of kids because an entire generation of young men was wiped out. Right. Which, on an interesting note of people getting wiped out, uh, Planned Parenthood is now offering hormonal transgender stuff, oh which is God. strange because their argument is that they're actually there to help women, you know, live better, which is really uh. weird. Another topic, but I heard that today, so that was kind of fun. Um, and for anyone who gets all up in arms about, you know, my opinion or statement on Planned Parenthood. Too bad, right? Look at, look at, it's an opinion. Look up Margaret Sanger. Look her up. Learn about her. And then tell me whether you think Planned Parenthood is a good thing or not. So, But, you know, back to what you were talking about a minute yeah. ago. Uh, when, when, when you go to an, an outing or a gathering or something like that, when we could, I should say, and you have a talk with somebody and people ask you, so, so you know, who are you? And a lot of people will say their name, certainly, yeah. but they'll say their profession at the same time. Yeah. And it goes to what you're talking about. They have this perception of themselves, maybe based on their surroundings and who they're trying to stay up with the Joneses and all that kind of stuff. Hi, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a this or I'm a that. And that's, I'm an OnlyFans person. Oh, God. Which, by the way, they brought that back. They are still doing adult entertainment on there well, now. I thought they were going to get rid of all that. No, nope, they shifted their opinion after all the adult they sex re- workers complained. Yeah, they realized how much money they were going to lose is what they realized. Well, the initial argument was that they wouldn't get bank investments because of all the inappropriate content, which is such a bullshit argument. But you know what? <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you know, um, how did prostitution. We sh- how did we shift all the way to well, prostitution? Well, prostitution is now normal. Now, talk society. about prostitution. Though it is quote unquote the world's oldest profession, you know what the world's oldest language is? Tamil. Tamil. How'd you know that, man? I'm that looking was, at oh, you're notes. unbelievable. Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> I'm a 5, genius. <laughs> thousand, five thousand years old that language is. Well, spoken by seventy eight million people. Official language of Sri Lanka, Singapore. Oldest language still surviving today. There may have been older ones, but they did not survive. This is the only one. I do want to touch back, though, on what you said about identity through occupation. Oh, damn it. I thought that was a beautiful segment. No, it wasn't. And we'll, 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 this is, can you actually say this part into me? No, I have not. I've never heard it in my entire life, but I, I, I know what it is. With that being said, though, I think the, interesting thing that we're seeing in real time and this goes back to our one of our earlier conversations about the degradation of community in some ways the degradation of theology um, especially my generation is theology in a lot of ways for people provided a purpose and a reason and existence to something greater than themselves mm-hmm. and when it comes to what's going on today unfortunately your job your hobbies they don't do that because there's only a certain extent of joy that they can bring that isn't some sort of internalized ethereal version of so very few people do what they love as everybody tells well, you, you should go do yeah but then again what's interesting again is that people will mention things like well you know something that brings you a lot of fulfillment is children well true we are at the lowest point in time when it comes to having kids in the kids States. so there's this culmination of people not having children you know not having purpose working jobs that they don't think are important Not being fulfilled, and it's all coming to a catalytic point that is, I think, culminating all at the same time. So, do you think, going back to your point about religion, because I think it's a, and again, these are we brought up like ten subjects already that would be podcasts by themselves, but the we're talking about word changes in entomology, Mm -hmm. etymology, etc. Entomology, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) The study Study of of bugs. The study of bugs, (laughs) as it 
uh, occurs with religious aspects. No, the, 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 I, I think that what we're really talking about is the degradation of structure. Communities, yeah. structures. Communication. Um, rules, mm-hmm. rules of law, communication amongst a, a group of people, et cetera. Because if you look at just religion in general, if you look at the, the, the course of the last couple thousand years, you can go further, but look at the course of the last couple thousand years, and you will see kind of a centralization of belief systems in a structure that dominated most of Europe around that rightly or wrongly that's not the argument rightly or wrongly there's a structure and over time church of england breaks away then the the protestants do this and the catholics do that and now there's 50 different you know what denominations are you know the reason they came about two things really power Mm -hmm. somebody trying to keep power like the the king of england wanting more power than the pope right in in that situation but the other thing is definitional changes Mm -hmm. they they said hey the bible says this but we really think it means this over here. And because we think it means this, we're going to act this way. Well, if you're going to act that way, you better start your own church. Yeah. And that's what we're really talking about over time with which phraseology is, and etymology. Which, which for people who are listening, that is a very, very condensed high level explanation. Um, but it's good. And what's interesting, again, back to you said, you know, everything has a community. And that's what really... I mean, well, that really is the definition is that brought about a community. And at a certain point when we talk about theology and especially Christianity, and maybe in some other theologies, there might be this story similar. I'm not sure, but a big part of etymology and theology really paints it out as the tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. You know, at a certain point in time, mm-hmm. everyone spoke, you know, the, the same language, the supposedly common language, probably and, Tamil. Yeah, probably. Well, probably. <laughs> and, and the story of the tower of ba- Babel explains the origins of the multiplicity of languages. So, you know, in Christianity, the story goes that God was concerned that humans had blasphemed, you know, or God was concerned that humans had blasphemed by building the ta- a tower of Babel to avoid a second flood. So God brought into existence multiple languages, um, really high level version of that. But thus humans were divided into linguistic groups, unable to understand one another. Now, I'm sure historically that is probably more of a cultural story to establish some sort of rules and understanding of why people speak different languages within Judaism. But at the same time, you know, there is a point there because nothing remains but really a watering hole in association mm-hmm. with that. So, you know, the tower was said to be almost 100 meters tall and was dedicated to Babylon's own god, Marduk. 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 Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, the word Babel means another gate or God. Mm-hmm. So throughout theology, especially Christianity, and this is the only reason I'm referring Christianity is just because my background comes mm-hmm. from a lot of that. Sure. There are myriads of instances of God painting a lesson or or Judaism and the leaders within Judaism painting a lesson of idolatry and why that's bad. So Correct. you can talk about the Tower Correct. of Babel or you can talk, talk about, about the, the golden, golden calf. calf or the golden bull, which shame on you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, the, the problem here or and in, in some instances when they were talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, in that instance, it was sexual identity um, and sexual sexuality, which is interestingly enough. And there's always a very common theme of they're, you, they're, you're you trying can't to paint what, a picture and teach a lesson. Well, you right? can't serve two gods is the common theme throughout the Bible. You can only mm-hmm. serve one. And what I've taken from that over time is that 
you know, obviously people are free to practice whatever religion they want to. I have my own beliefs. With that being said, though, you can't serve two things. You can't be Christian and also be atheist. You can't be, you know, Buddhist and also be Muslim. You can't be agnostic and also be someone who thinks that everything is possible. That's mm-hmm. a skepticism there, which is fine. And I'm sure people hold a lot of very strange beliefs, mixtures of that today. Well, but and, there is I importance. Think, I think your point. Well, there's importance to structure. To there's That's importance exactly to structure. right. You, so there's structure. But that doesn't mean structure isn't malleable, right? And because mm. we all have uh, degrees of understanding and degrees of willingness to participate in whatever structures there are. That's yeah. why, whether we're talking about religion or etymology, mm-hmm. that's why things change over time. Well, I think the interesting thing that I think is happening now, because we talk about this malleability within structure, malleability is different than degradation. And what I mean by that is there's normally, from my understanding, a progressivism associated with malleability that allows something to become better than it was. No, no, not necessarily better. Or hold the common... Just change shape. Yeah, so so basically you hold the common goal of whatever that said thing is because it is malleable. So, for example, like like rubber, right? It's not going to turn into water. It, no. um, unless we have the ability to do that one day, which, which we could. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I, I guess my point is the same thing with theology. The problem now, especially within the Christian church, or, I mean, hell, when it comes to maybe even Eastern theology in America, because there are a lot of things people believe when in relation to Eastern theology that is not true overseas. Um, so we kind of like to but mix things here, um, which doesn't help. Dude, it's kind of like a Venn diagram, right? You got all kind these of. bubbles everywhere, and they cross each other, and each bubble is a, a structure. It's got a wall to it. It's got an understanding within it of a certain number of items. Let's say there's 10, 10 strict structural things within each of those bubbles that are a must. But there's overlapping bubbles everywhere. And you may believe five of these and five of these. Now, I'm again, this is a very high level. It's not, it's not very granular, very detailed. But my whole point is life is that way. Life is complex. Life is gray. It is gray. It is not... There are things, there are guideposts, there are things that yeah. are, are kind of unmovable, right? And we can talk about those things. But everything other than those things can be discussed, opinionized, well, and, that's, that's, and turned into that's something different. what I see to be the problem with a lot of this stuff, though, is those structures, especially for America, like be it community, um, theology, activism, when it comes to political involvement not political activism because those two things are different if you go and protest something or in today's day and age destroy something you're not being politically active what you're doing is you're pushing a political agenda but your agenda has no end goal you can talk to people like for example the socialists or the communists today and a lot of them can't accurately paint what they truly want but this is that's not about belief that's about action well, that's my point. So there's a difference, though, between, you know, progressive, positive action that leads to actual change, like mm-hmm. the civil rights movement. There was a strategy there. There mm-hmm. was an effective understanding that this will work the best because people will adopt the belief that we're pushing because mm-hmm. we're not forcing them to do it. We're telling them and there it makes also sense. wasn't a necessity to have it happen immediately. Well, well, because that's part of today's problem. Everything needs to change and change now. We need to wipe everything we'll out and start for, over. We'll change for the sake of change is Which destruction. Is, yeah, so, exactly. It's degradation instead yes. of malleability. So I think the real issue when it comes to 
specifically those pillars in society, and we've discussed this in other episodes, is these things now because of information overload and because of, you know, the the accessibility of that said thing. And then, again, the confusion of that said thing because there's a whole hell of a lot of propaganda and disinformation and misinformation going Correct. on. But because of all these things, we're seeing these things crumble in real time, which you know, is actually extremely concerning. It's very concerning. But, it, you know, in terms of confusion in general, one of the one of the, the things that, that I've always been... Uh, attracted to is how we as human beings interpret, right? That's because that's where change comes from. It takes, takes a symbol for a meaning, which is what I believe words are in the first place. And it says, I'm going to change this to fit my particular narrative. I'm going to make my square peg go into that round hole. I'm going to make that round hole malleable enough so that I can fit into it. My belief system can fit and be marginalized. And I can use the same word that they used 50 years ago, but now it's my word. Right. Yeah. And, and, but the interesting thing is that with language in general, we had to figure out how and why people said and did what they did because language didn't start out with letters anyway. Those are, no. those are symbols that came later as hier- hieroglyphs and Sanskrit and things like that way before that. And of course you've heard of the Rosetta stone, mm-hmm. right? And, and that was found in, oh gosh, I can't remember. Long like, found in, time in ago. like, um, like you 1800, I think it was found in 1800. Bears, bears the inscription in hieroglyphs, um, Demotic uh, characters and Greek, and that's why mm-hmm. that's why the French Egyptologist uh, Jean Francais, whatever his last name is, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Comp- Champ- He's some French yeah, guy. Some fr- <laughs> he was a French etymologist, but he, back in in 1822, he deciphered that yeah. because he had the keys. It's like cryptology. Yeah. So, but but the interesting part is, is even then, we don't know if he's right. We know what it said in Greek. Because there were that language existed, yeah. we did not know what it actually said perfectly in hieroglyphs. What we had to do was contend that whoever wrote on that Rosetta Stone in Greek was identically writing the meaning of what it was in hieroglyphics. So yeah. now all the hieroglyphics we look at are based on that understanding of in, in Greek. And for all we know, they could be all just fucking wrong. Well, they're not all wrong for <laughs> sure, but you could it could be off. But that's that's my point. None of these things. We've got to assume that language, words themselves, phraseology, mm-hmm. acronyms, things like that, they all change over time. I mean, acronyms is a perfect example, right? Well, yeah. Because you can, you can make an acronym almost any, anything. We can yeah. go to today's acronym like a BLM and talk about the different, how many Bs do people put in front of that or how many Ms do they use yeah. to come up with their version of what BLM is, right? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of this today, especially because of the just outbreak of narcissism, comes down to human hubris. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's extreme and extreme desire um, to fit in, you know, your own personal understanding of things into your own societal group, uh, which changes these meanings. And for some instances, in some cases, that's good for some instances. And I would think more often than not, a lot of instances, it's negative because you've got a polarizing shift in such a way that is deemed through a mobocracy. Mob- that, Ooh, like that this that. is Mob-ocracy. now this is now right and this is what it means and that's what the initial issue I had early on about you know oh God almost two years ago when everyone jumped on board with George Floyd mm-hmm. and just posted a black square mm-hmm. like look I maybe I'm just strange in relation to groups I'm skeptical until they can prove to me that they're legit two years later it comes to find out my assumption might have been right, right. Um, which is very funny. But I'm not to say that you can't agree with things. All I'm suggesting is that when you have human hubris, narcissism, and a desire to make things the way you see the world, um, 
so polarized and so high, it starts going from, you know, traditional etymology of things making sense for a logical purpose to things being illogical for a political purpose. It's because of either group psychology or individual psychology. And group shift. Group, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of people like to call it. I remember when the big thing was talking about paradigm shifts, right? Yeah. This this entire thinking change, this this adjustment. It's not it's not incremental adjustment. It's not like you're in a plane and you're going from here to to China in a plane, and you know you start out here, but you have to make course corrections along the way. Those are tiny little incremental course corrections along the way. Paradigm shift is a greater, grander philosophical change based on today primarily human psycho psychology which is dominated in my opinion back to what you talked about earlier is this this information overload yeah. and this this conflation of ideas and words into this pile of rubble well i hate to say this for you know uh, my brother's probably gonna roll over just in his his aliveness he's gonna roll <laughs> over in his aliveness next time i see him if he listens to this podcast i think psychology unfortunately and a lot of other industries um therapy to some degree have been comprised of a lot of pseudoscience and what well, i mean by that started that way well and yes and what i mean by that is not in the sense that some of these things have legitimacy within science because they knew mm -hmm. uh i mean that there are a lot of people trying to make a name for themselves and in order to make a name for yourselves you have to create something and be imaginative and creative and you look at someone like uh oh God, what was his name freud 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 it's all about your had mom a lot of very all about your mom strange and incorrect analysis when it comes to how he saw human beings. And at that time, because of the popularity and the tabooness to some degree of what he said, people were like, well, of course this makes sense. Come to find out mm -hmm. he wasn't right at all. Right. Not to say about everything, but by a lot was not correct. So, and some people still push that type but of the, thought those, process. Those things though, they're very interesting to me because part of what you say, I, 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 I totally agree with in terms of Freud and, and others that and he's that just come an example. up. He's a great uh, example a though because because it was so divergent from the the thought at that time. Yeah. But one of the reasons he's remembered so much is because of that divergence. It's like you're going along well, and there's the same this thing kind with of group thing. It's the same yeah. thing with Marx. Yeah. His, his he he went shift. Yeah. Paradigm shift. Different way of thinking. Marx right or wrong. Was, well, Marx was more of a scam artist, but sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of them are. Yeah. I mean, I mean, who who? Uh, what was the guy that? Uh, no, not. Not Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, uh, Joseph Smith. Yeah, I mean, he was. He, was he and his mom artist. were total scam artists, grave, grave robbers, robbers, the whole nine, yep. the whole nine yards. And and yet he had and a particular now way of. He has a he multi billion well. dollar religion. Exactly, <laughs> tax exempt. And then Tom way. Cruise with Scientology. Yeah. Um, I so hear they're losing Travolta soon, though. That's what yeah, I heard, we'll but, see. I mean, but, uh, you know, it, I just find it interesting, and maybe we should go into kind of more of a fun kind of next few minutes to kind of go into knowing us we'll start with fun and we'll end up with another point though of some kind but there there's a million different things we could look at in terms of actual words acronyms sayings things like that that have changed over time that are interesting mm -hmm. to find that we cert say certain things today yeah yet they meant something else yesterday well you i right? mean you look at the well i wouldn't say this is the case with this particular word but you look at the word psychology which is derived from two greek words uh first being psyche which meaning the mind soul or spirit and then logos meaning discourse or to study mm -hmm. you know and then those two words combined produce you know the study of the mind mm -hmm. so for a lot of people today that may not mean what it actually means that may mm -hmm. mean something else um purely probably because they don't know what psychology is. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are a myriad of other terms that we are all unaware of that meant something that 
no longer means something. Well, the interesting thing is the study of the mind is not the study of the brain, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think a lot of people, again, kind of miss that point. It's yeah, that's, neuro- neurology and psychology are two, two different, different things. things. Yeah. And, and the psychology, going back to what you said a few minutes ago, there's a lot of pseudoscience that was involved, and that probably still is today in certain aspects. But it, it's because there's an ethereal part of that. The mind is separate from the body itself, so it's mm-hmm. not a physical thing. But it's able to be um, analyzed. Mm-hmm. And those, that analysis has to come from what? Someone else's mind. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting to me. And, and, but, you know, over, over time uh, and over a lot of time, there have been, you know, tons of different things we could talk about in terms of, of you know, sayings and, and words and where they came from. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, um, in the first place, the English language itself uh, was really came from early Germanic settlers to to Great Britain, Anglo's mm-hmm. and Saxons and and et cetera. That's why they came up with the 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 uh, language of English in general. But it has Greek and Latin base, right? Yeah. And 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 everything kind of originated with that original. Who knows what language? Sanskrit, uh, Tamil, Greek, whatever it, it it came from in the first place. But throughout time, there have been a lot of sayings that have come up that I find very interesting. Yeah, and we've we've listed quite a few of them here. We can both go over a few of them. I, and but I I find it very interesting. Like the the term "dirt poor," for instance, is a great one. Mm-hmm. And why was that the way it was? Because if you were poor, you didn't have a floor in your house. It was made of dirt. Dirt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, my favorite though is uh, my favorites, and I and I can assume that our listeners probably have garnered this by my usage of it. My favorites fuck. The F word. Oh, you're, you um, know, I think and, I counted 72 in your last. Oh, I, over the time of the last 19 episodes, I've probably said it a thousand times. <laughs> um, and a lot of people think that it's fornication upon consent of the king. Uh, that's not true. That's, not. that's a wives tale. Uh, it, you know, the F word comes from old Dutch or Germanic. So when people say pardon my French, that's also an incorrect term. You're supposed to be pardon my German because the F word is German. Um, with that being said, basically what it meant and has meant for the beginning of time is swivel thrust, uh, you know, obviously all had sexual implications. And what's interesting enough, interesting enough is that it really picked up during world war one, um, because it was used so often that when it was not used, it was often meant for more urgency. So yeah, it was, people, it was used like, hurry up, get out of the foxhole. Yeah, Fox, yeah, Fox, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, but, which you know, at, the, during world war one makes sense. Oh, yeah. Gas masks gone. You want a real mask. That, I wonder if those worked at all. Probably not. Back but we then, can talk no. about that again. But, but you know, it's so so funny to add to that. Um, you know what the term flying fuck actually came from originally? Birds. No. Sex on horseback. Ow. Believe it or not. I was like, Ow. really? I, I Well, and, and, and by the way. I thought it meant the thou- 100 mi- thousand mile. The 10,000 mile club. That's what that meant, but. Well, maybe could be mile high club. Mile, oh, the ten thousand mile club. What is did this I say? Ten thousand miles. Well, I was thinking more of being on you know the space station. The ten thousand mile club brought to you by Elon Musk, <laughs> um, so or Richard Branson. Um, so obviously, granted, for all of the people out there that may look these things up again, this is an opinion in, podcast, in, and there's many. If we're incorrect, we're incorrect, and you should we're just never suck incorrect. It up. We're we're um, always right. You know, I think my favorite one, uh, another one outside of the F word is uh, balls to the wall. Um, you know, it was probably coined by pilots who, according to, 
you know, the interweb uh, was probably coined by pilots who, you know, used throttle levers, mixture of levers and propeller governor levers, which had round ball like top sand, top sand for whom when putting the balls to the wall uh, in that instance, the firewall of an aircraft meant increasing RPM using maximum rich mixture and full throttle, making the aircraft fly as quickly as possible. So kind of has the same meaning, but it's taken more of a intricate terminology ever since, uh, you know, the rap game. Yeah. <laughs> since the rap game. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know, just as a follow-up to that, and I don't know why I'm diverging back to this, but the term cracker. And I'm not talking saltine, right? God. You know, I, I mean, originally, you know what that came from. It was a derogatory for poor whites, mainly from the South. Mm-hmm. But originally, it was for poor criminals that came over from Great Britain, primarily to Georgia, because that mm-hmm. was a penal colony at the time. Interesting. And so they were called. So Georgia was the American version of Australia where they sent all. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yikes. Now, now it's the country south where everyone is polite. So a a couple (laughs) of a couple of death kind of phrases. Okay. Uh Oh, I mean, you've heard of these two, right? Bought the farm and kicked the bucket. You I've know? heard kick the bucket. I haven't heard bought the farm. Well, I, I, I kind of delved into these a couple of little more. Bought the farm, I've heard many times before. That might be more my generation. Than Maybe. Because yeah. it, it originated, again, a World War II kind of thing. Uh, actually, 1950s era Air Force term to crash. Because people that were, you know, back then, if you, in World War II, if you got in a plane, if you're a pilot in a plane, Oh, you're screwed. The likelihood is you're not coming back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could read a lot of different stories about that, but it was it was tough. Unless tough you're flying. Who was that? Who but was that runner? That one. That's movie. well. That's uh, you read that uh, book. Unbreakable, um, impossible, unbreakable. No, yeah, it was unbreakable. unbreakable. It yeah. was what's his name? Uh, Sam. S- no, something weird. Scott, Sam Akitch. No, it was something. It was like a. I, I remember it. it was great. Great book. <sighs> Good movie. Weird. But the the whole point was it was kind of interesting and you know probably apocryphal because it original oh, no I'm, I'm sorry I'm jumping ahead to to kick the bucket on this so let me go back just a second this refers to the desire of wartime pilots to stop flying return home and buy a farm hmm. that was old I didn't live live peacefully ever after so they want to go buy a farm and if you didn't make it you already bought the farm you're done maybe it wasn't but unbreakable it was called unbreakable no was it not? I'm pretty sure. No, it was called Unbreakable. So Frank Zaki. Frank Z something. Frank Zaki. He was an unbelievable runner, too. Frank. And then just while you're looking this up, to kick the bucket term. That comes from at least the 16th century and, you know, originates, believe it or not, from suicides. They used to stand on large buckets with a noose around their neck. And at the time of their choosing, they would, would do what? Kick the bucket, right? So I, I, it's, it's really funny how, how these things end up. And, of course, now people talk about a bucket list, right? So stuff you want to do before you die. Well, if you hearken back to the origination of this term, you want to do it before you apparently make yourself die. I can't find it. I, I it's, that's a good, you, you have it right though. It was it was Frank Z something. Frank, it wasn't Zappa. It was no, uh, not Frank Zappa. Not, no, no, yeah, I think uh, he was a singer there. He had Moon Unit and Sabini uh, or something like that. It, it was, was a long name. Yeah, it was because he he was sub. He was one of the first sub four runners, right? That that no, was he was never sub four. Yeah, but his prediction was he, he would was be the he first was gonna. To do it. They thought he was gonna be the next God, record the holder that? It was for such the a mile. Good movie. I want to watch that movie. It was again. called Unbreakable. No, because there's a 2000 film called Unbreakable. So that's a totally different oh, movie. You're right. That was yeah. that was uh, unbearable, impossible, un. 
Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. But um, what are some of your other favorites? Do you have another one? I mean, I thought Die Hard was kind of interesting. My favorite is, yeah, Die Hard with Bruce Willis. Yes. It was all about, he originated it originally. I guess if he originated, it would be originally, wouldn't it? Well, what was what what was what was Die Hard? Which one was that? What what does that mean? Well, it typically refers to someone with a strong dedication to a particular set of, you know, beliefs. The term Die Hard originally had a series of much more literal meanings. Uh, in its earliest incarnation was in the 1700s. The expression described condemned men who struggled the longest when they were executed by hanging. That's the second hanging one in a row out of the, that we've come up with. I'm not sure why. You know, later it was attributed more to um, a particular officer uh, in the, um, the Napoleonic Wars who basically told his people, go out there and, and die hard. Don't let him get kill as many of the, the, the other guys as you possibly can. And that whole regiment was originally nicknamed the Die Hards because of mm. it. Louis Zamperini. Unbroken. I told you unbroken. You listen to me. You got to listen to what I say. It's unbroken, not unbrokenness. Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Unbreakable is that one movie that was before Glass. Yes, I I remember that. Yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, it's good for M. Night Shyamalan. I mean, it's better than uh, what was the, the, oh, happening? the happening? God, was, Mike Wahlberg. The happening did not happen. Yeah, I will tell you that. The movie sucked. But, hey, here, I got a couple of real interesting ones maybe we can finish up on that I that I kind of looked at. And do you know the original, the origin of the, the uh, one of your favorite, uh, I think it's a fruit, avocado? No, I do not. Okay. Would it, you be surprised if I said yes? I would be. Would you have just left? I if would I said, I you got up, taken off your headphones, I wandered just walked up, away. I would have wandered up back to my hill. Yeah, you would have retired as a bull, came no, back a man. Never retired. <laughs> exactly. Man bull. That's a minotaur, right? The word <laughs> avocado comes from a Spanish, I can't pronounce it, avocate, something like that, which is all our Spanish friends are going to hate me for that. Yikes. Uh, which in turn comes from a, a, a Nahathal word meaning <clears throat> testicle. No way. Yes way. Surprised? You... Well, Perhaps. But the no. more one thinks about it, the less surprising it gets. They do rather resemble, well, you, know, a, 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 you know, a testicle. And why does uh, Especially always... when it's hanging from a tree, right? Is... Clumsily from a tree. Now, here's the other funny part of this. Mole, from guacamole, is derived from another nathaltal... I think it's Nathaltal is the the original, not Spanish, but word comes from mole, which means sauce. So if you have Ball guacamole, sauce. Ball you sauce. have testicle sauce. Dear God. Yeah. That's, I, I thought you'd agree. I really that. hope that that's true. It's um, tr- I hope it's that's true. It's as true as this opinion. Yeah, I hope that's true. true. Um, I'm never having guacamole again. <laughs> that's bullshit i no, know you true. man yeah you, I eat guacamole. you make some mean guacamole i, I do but make you some you mean you actually put additional stuff in your testicle sauce apparently there's nothing <laughs> i can say to that. That, that that we should just end the podcast on that statement you put additional stuff in your testicle sauce <laughs> like that we'd have the music playing and then you'd hear me coming hey guys it's so nice for you to thanks again for joining us and learning about testicle sauce right. This this episode is not sponsored by Kevin Spacey. Well, I, I'll give you two more. 
to well, end this with. Unless you got, go again. Well, you I got like something. I like read the Riot Act. Okay, you know because and this oh, is I do like that one. That's great. It's very it's kind of political too. Well, it's, I, I got everything is and nothing is no everything's political. Um, so you know these days, obviously, people refer to read the reading the Riot Act as like angry parents, you know, threatening their children or someone that they don't like. Um, you know, but in 18th century England, the Riot Act was a very real document. And it was often cited, uh, recited aloud to angry mobs. It was instituted in 1715, and the Riot Act gave the British government the authority to label any group of more than 12 people a threat to the peace. Dirty huh. dozen. Weird. That seems mm, to be happening dirty dozen. now, unless you're burning buildings down. That's right. Um, in the name of certain policies. Uh, in these circumstances, a public official would read a small portion of the Riot Act and and order the people to disperse themselves and peaceably depart to their habitations. <laughs> Anyone that remained after one hour was subject to arrest or removal by force. The law was later put to the test in 1819 during the infamous Peterloo Massacre, dear God, in which a cavalry unit attacked a large group of protesters after they appeared to ignore a reading of the Riot Act. Isn't there a painting of that? No. Are you sure? Well, there there is. Pretty sure but the reason they didn't keep the painting is because what those people were doing, they were assembling, they were having guacamole. <laughs> hey, <laughs> well, last couple. Uh, okay. That was. God. Well, at least you know you know you what, know where the toned, word salary comes down. You've toned down the dad jokes. I'm going to bring them back up. No, I'm feeling no, no, way no, no, good. No. I'm going to no. keep. You've got an coming. appropriate level of the dad jokes. I like where it's at. That was good, and it was thoughtful. You've only said fuck three times in yeah, this. Yeah, I'm kind of. I, I think I've matched over. you. Yeah, now you're That's the now you're the problem. You're the you're I've the always, vulgar. I've one. always been the vulgar I'm, problem. I'm one. the clean. But wolf. you know where salary comes from, right? Not celery, salary. Yeah, like payment. Yeah, like well, it it's a word that is derived from the Latin salarium, salarium, salar mm. something like that, which means salt money. Because that was the form of payment. In ancient times, salt was used for all kinds of important things that were often referred to as white gold. Hmm. It could be used as an antiseptic to treat wounds. Romance languages once recognized the connection between sale sale, meaning salt, and salut, salut, meaning health, to preserve food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, methods of payment in Greece and Rome and all that kind of stuff. And it morphed into salary we know today. Hmm. And that's why when, when you hear the term worth your salt, that's where it comes from. Interesting. Yeah. And then the final and most important one, what, unless you would go ahead. I, got, I, got, I've got one more. Go, this go is for Specifically it. because I find this particular inference interesting. Uh, paint the town red. Oh, yeah. So obviously in a lot of instances, this refers to the red light district and the military districts and, you know, fires glowing from furnaces, furnaces in London. Uh, and even strangely enough, a line about paints the world crimson with our sins from Dante's Inferno, the most mm -hmm. accurate book of all time. And honestly, if that exists, it's kind of a kick-ass way to eventually get through purgatory up to heaven. Kind of cool. Just saying. Um, and would be a dope tattoo. Uh, I'd rather skip it, though, and just go straight. There's, well, according to Dante's Inferno, no one can. Um, you just have different segments you plopped down in. Uh, just one theory. In 1837, the Marquis of Waterford led a group of friends on a night of drinking and vandalizing all over their town. They broke flower pots, pulled knockers off of doors, and broke windows, then literally painted a gate, the doors of houses, and a statue with red paint. But this is most likely the reason that Paint the Town Red became known for a wild night out. 
See, I thought it was a biblical term. For in Egypt. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess that could be considered that, but I mean, wouldn't that be considered like some sort of blasphemous? I well, saw the I, dad joke there. The other one before I, that was better. It was very dry. Yeah, that was, dry. that was... But it's not as dry as whiskey. Some whiskey can be dry, you know, and, and I, I got I to gotta finish at least with mine, the origin of which is Gaelic whiskey. And you know what whiskey actually means? The medieval monks called it aqua vital. Aqua vital. That sounds, I don't know, it sounded Italian. Like water so of life. Know. Life water, you yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Somebody that's been to to uh, I've been to Jameson. That's exactly right. But uh, it explains, of course, the expression was, you know, transformed into, you know, uh, uh, I can't even pronounce this stuff in Gaelic. But as time passed, it was Anglicized, of course. Hmm. And uh, you know, Scotch is Scottish whiskey, and whiskey's actually spelled a couple different ways: one with an e, one with a y. And a lot of people believe the Irish put the e in there on purpose because they wanted to differentiate from the, some of the American brands, which they felt were inferior Scottish as well. They are correct. This is real interesting. They're correct about that. But I, I thought it was uh, very interesting. Scotch was introduced to um, denominate a Scottish whiskey, so that, or determine what that is versus Irish whiskey. Yeah, the lesser and version. It, yep. Yeah, exactly. And it has been adopted in other countries for quite different reasons. In some South American countries, used as an alternative to cheese. Hmm. To encourage people to smile when being photographed. Interesting. South American companies say whiskey. That's very instead strange. Of cheese. Isn't that strange? That is really strange. I thought I would leave. You know, fun fact for all the the listeners, uh, some people may not know this, but there is a distinction between whiskey, scotch, and bourbon, all of which are in the same sort of family mm-hmm. of beverage. And I learned this because I went to Jameson, but there is a difference. And the reason there is a difference is because whiskey itself, his distillation process is different than that of scotch. Most w- Irish whiskeys, because they originate in Ireland, are distilled. Is that where to Irish a, whiskeys come from? Well, yes. That, but people, <laughs> a lot of people don't, some people don't know this. Yeah. Uh, they, they're distilled to a higher grade in some instances than scotch. Normally there's, I believe Jameson is a three pot distill process. And then traditional scotch, I think is two or single mm-hmm. pot. And then bourbon um, is most of the time single or double, right? right. And, and then, then bourbon then specifically location. And so then there's Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, you know, single malt or, or you know, mixed. And all, there's yeah. all kinds of different unique ways to mm-hmm. blend and come up with uh, very unique flavor profiles. And it's usually up to the, the distillation process and the storage process. And that's something that really bums me out because as a connoisseur of whiskey, I'm a big whiskey fan. Um, COVID kind of fucked up like for and I haven't tried it in a few days. But initially what's strange is I would get some of the very light floral fragrance Mm -hmm. and then the burning on the tongue and nothing else. Hmm. Very odd. Uh, So it's like I'm drinking uh, Jack Daniels. And I hate, Jack Dan- I hate Jack Daniels. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the worst. But I'm talking well, like. Well, luckily for me, my taste and smell never, never went, went away. away. Yeah. And, but I heard that there is one thing that you can do to fix that while drinking whiskey. Plug my nose. Have some guacamole. Guac, guac, guac. Oh, but did, wait, I didn't oh, mention you the gotta news. you got to do this. No, I didn't mention the news, the other news. Yes, the so, most famous God, news. This is actually the real news. Uh, so, yeah, fuck all the other news, guys. Fuck the Let's entire podcast. Over. Let's We're start done. over. D- d- just turn off the podcast and then start from this point, and this is the podcast now. Uh, if anybody got to this point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, myself and Beowulf are actually starting our own separate 
podcast that is underneath kind of, I guess, the Wolf and Bull denomination. Uh, or well, part of I-Level Studios, I-Level right? Studios, yes. So, obviously, her and I have a little bit of camaraderie. We, camaraderie, we are married. Um, so, we're going to be doing... Uh, we haven't really determined yet, but one or two small, shorter episodes a week. Uh, tied to the Wolf and Bull, I but not under the same name. wait um, for that, About small, social, specifically, in some instances, social media event events and commentary, which... There's so much stupid shit going on that it will probably there be is, hilarious. That, that's the fun thing about these podcasts, guys. There's always so much stupid shit. Everybody, whether yeah. you like the last podcast or not, the Rantacast is what we like, we like to call it. Yeah. It was, uh, we could do one of those every freaking day and have more material than we'll ever, ever use. Well, I think I think what would be good is, is to kind of go back to the, how the process went today. You know, we can talk shortly, maybe 15, 20 minutes about the news, keep it a little less extreme, and then move into something tied into it, which, you know, strangely enough, etymology, entomology, according to you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, has really tied And next week we that. will be talking about the origin of bugs. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That would actually be kind of... Uh, yeah, especially yeah. the giant ones. And what was that space show that had the giant bugs that were killing everybody? Starship Troopers. Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's an actual... Those. What's very interesting about that, on that note, the book itself is a very intelligent commentary on the, politics. What? You, yes. Really? 100%. Um, I can't remember the name of the writer of the book, but that whole movie... Is not about aliens fighting humans. It's about propaganda. That's what the entire movie's about. You um, you read a book sometime. I've I've talked about it before Isaac Asimov, famous mm-hmm. famous famous science science fiction writer and uh, kind of a forecaster in a lot of ways. And he wrote that Foundation trilogy. And I just read the other day. I don't know if it's going to be a mini series or what it's going to be, but something's going to come out on that. Mm, I cannot what platform? wait for that. I don't. I don't know. I'll have to look because it really depends on the platform. And I know Dune is coming, and there's a lot uh, of interesting things yeah. that are coming that are that are well should hopefully be a bit mind bending. So there's the new John Wick coming, and guess what else was announced yesterday? What Matrix Four? It looks really good. Well, I remember I, I heard I saw none of the advertising when the original Matrix came out. And it was one of this was the same thing when Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see any advertising. I just hey, this this new adventure movie kinda comes out. Raiders of the Lost Ark and Matrix. Those are the two movies I can think of. There's probably others, but those are the two movies I can think of that I went to them and I went, Holy shit. Yep. These are crazy good. Well, what's interesting, and I, here's the thing, is it's coming out on December 22nd, so free uh, free, free propaganda for The Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looks really good. Obviously, you know that I'm a fan of The Matrix and you know John Wick. I, I love Keanu Reeves. I, would, I mean, if I had the opportunity, I would adopt a child with him. <laughs> the paperwork would be strange, um, but it would be fun none, nevertheless, or none, nonetheless. Um, but it looks really good. There's a lot of potentially really good movies coming out. My concern is that because of the last year and a half, they're going to be ruined by stupid wokeness. There'll be certain tameness to them that shouldn't be there. Well, not tame. Maybe, but I'm what I'm tired of, and I'm sure a lot of people are tired of, and we can end on this. I'm tired of people pushing their worldview through entertainment uh, in such a way where it's seen a mile away. If you're going to push worldview through entertainment, 
Make it intelligent. Just and, tell your story instead. Well, these well, are supposed to be well, stories. The well, they they can be stories, and they can still have some sort of worldview influence. I mean, Mark Twain obviously was pretty smart with some of his intelligence. I mean, or Fyodor Dostoevsky. There's Dostoevsky. another guy that's going to be banned, though. Well, I mean, Dostoevsky probably as well. Um, so uh, you can tell your worldview, but you don't tell it in such a way where you say, "Well, fuck all the people that don't agree with me," because uh, uh, the the complication of trying to get people to agree with you via arguments or via Im imagery or via writing is to be subtle so they think your idea makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good topic we could talk about eventually too. Absolutely. Because true storytellers will tell a story and they'll mm -hmm. wrap something below the surface to get your attention to. Dostoevsky is probably... Well, one look at Abraham women. Lincoln. Okay. He was a, apparently he was a, he was a fantastic storyteller, right? Oh, Fant he he was known yes for that. So uh, the reason I use him as an example is because, or Mark Twain or Dostoevsky, but Abraham Lincoln's probably a little bit more prolific, um, or I would argue he is. Uh, is you know he was liked because he was such a good storyteller, mm -hmm. and he could paint something in such a way where people could say, you know what, I don't necessarily agree with everything you say, but you have some points that I could adopt. Sure, and. Sure. For some reason, and we could talk about this in a later episode and we can end here, people have forgotten that that's how you get people on your side. Mm -hmm. It's better to, uh, what was the political term? Um, I do not was know. It Teddy, was it Teddy Roosevelt? Uh, was it speak softly and... Carry a big stick. Yes. And that yeah, was the intention behind that, right? Right. Well, I mean, carry it or the stick has always been the... the the kind of way to look at things mm -hmm. where, what do you do? You offer the carrot, mm -hmm. but you always have the stick ready just in case. Right. And that, yeah. but, and that's not to infer that you should beat people over the head with a stick. Of course not. It's to infer that you speak softly. So people listen to you and the intent of what you're trying to say is greater mm -hmm. than the, the voice that you're speaking in. But I really think the, the number one to take from thing from take from this is listen to, to Wolf and Beowulf soon. Because that's going to be before the end. That's going to be really fun. Yeah, we'll we'll announce an exact date, but before the end of the month, we'll get everything squared away. So awesome! Going to start getting a little bit busy. All I can say to that is, well, let me ask you the final question: What is fat? What is fat? What is fat? Mister Etymology, what is fat? I'll let you read this because I saw it and I don't remember. It's on the third page. Well, <laughs> it's. It's um, not obesity. It, well, I was going to say, <laughs> well, the interesting thing is it depends on what kind of, I mean, it's like any other acronym that can be used for a lot of different things. And but, we're talking about but the but hip hop and P-H-A-T. P-H-A-T means pretty hot and tempting. Can you believe that? Pretty hot and tempting. <laughs> I've heard that for half my life. Yeah. Oh, you're fat. Yeah. Okay, and I said, no, I am only slightly overweight. Yeah. And they'll say, no, fat, P-H-A-T. Well, on that, say thank you very much. On that oddly, guacamole. on that oddly seductive <laughs> note from the bull. <laughs> thanks again for joining us, guys. Uh, look forward to our new ep our new episodic podcast with myself and Beowulf. And, and uh, next week, number two zero. Which, baby. by the way, we told you we would reveal our names, which people probably know anyway. But that's yay! Things to do. Things are changing. Hey everyone, this is The Wolf speaking, wrapping up yet another episode of The Wolf and Bull Podcast. We appreciate you spending your time with us, and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and family. 
your neighbors, the local bartender, your doctor, your boss, and hell, you can even tell us. By leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you can directly help build the Wolf and Bull cult. I mean, uh, the Wolf and Bull family. We can be found on most major podcasting platforms and social media. So what are you waiting for? Scoot on out of here and enjoy your day. But you should probably leave us a review first. But make sure to enjoy your day. But don't forget to leave us a review. Okay, bye!